Bibles this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew the 6th chapter. Matthew the 6th chapter. It's going to be going a little different direction. You do not have slides for this, Sister Christy. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to save those notes for a later date. Um, my, my plans were, for those of you who do not know, um, our, our national leader, our, our president, um, has declared today a national day of prayer. And it um, be very easy for us just to do our thing. I, I've got an, a sermon loaded back there that I'm really, really excited. I think some things that I've never said before or seen quite the way I'm seeing them now and so I'm really excited about getting that to you so it'd be very easy for me just to say uh, a quick prayer and and uh, and move on to uh, a different agenda but I feel like if if all of our churches in this country will will take that call to prayer serious that it'll not just have immediate impact on the current situation but it'll have ripple effect into lots of other areas in our, in our country that, that need some prayer right now. Amen? Amen? <laughs> See, that's what the enemy's trying to do with this virus. Um, it's, it's much more, he has much more in mind than just a bunch of people getting sick and dying. He's trying to hurt our economies. He's trying to weaken our, our nation. He's trying to uh, weaken our families. Um, he's trying to put people in very difficult situations. Uh, I know some of you have school children and now all of a sudden they're out of school for all these weeks and you work and so it's just it's a lot that the enemy's trying, you know, the ripple effect. So we're going to spend some time here in just a, f- a few minutes. We're going to spend some time in prayer together. Um, and we're not just going to pray about coronavirus, amen, because we're going to have some ripple effects, amen. Um, our response uh, to this and, and our President asking us to pray. What a, what a, first of all, what an honor to live in a, in a nation where a president declares a day of prayer. And um, I think the least we can do is, is respond to that. Amen? And um, so Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus teaches us about giving in the first part of Matthew 6. Then he teaches us about prayer. And then he teaches us about fasting. And in each of these different subjects, he says uh, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Notice when, not if. Not if you give, (laughs) if you pray, if you fast. But when you pray, when you give, when you fast. He's given us some very important instructions um, on these three uh, important practices. In... um, Let's just pick it up in verse number 8. It says, um, well, let's back up. I'm sorry. Let's go to verse 7. It says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. This is recorded in other Gospels, and in other Gospels, it's recorded in response to a question that the, G, that the disciples asked Jesus. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. I believe that they recognized when Jesus prayed, his prayers got results. When they prayed, sometimes their prayers got results, sometimes they didn't. 
And so they recognized that Jesus had a way of praying and a, and a, and a way of doing prayer um, that was better than their way of doing it, and so they wanted some instructions from a master. This is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. I have no problem with you calling it that. Um, Jesus never called it that. Um, and the idea that Jesus just went around repeating this over and over again um, would be inaccurate. Remember, he said it's not about vain repetition. It's not about what we would say praying by rote where we're just repeating the same thing over and over and over again and think because we've repeated it seven times, somehow that's going to bring an answer. Prayer is much, much more than that. What I believe we have here is a template for us to follow. In other words, a pattern for effective prayer. And Jesus begins with our Father in heaven. So if we unpack some of this, and we're not going to take the time to unpack it all this morning, but our Father in heaven. So when you pray, begin with our Father in heaven. But, the, but the, again, the thought is this being the main heading of an outline. So think about what's being communicated here. Jesus is saying that his Father is also your Father. And that when we pray, we're not just praying to a God or the God, but we're praying to our Father. Now certainly he is God, but effective prayer involves recognizing that he's not just God, but that he's Father, and that as a loving Father, he is actively uh, engaged, enthusiastically concerned, and, and interested in helping you. As a matter of fact, we know that our Father uh, knows how to give good gifts to his children on a much higher level than an earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children. Now we also notice that we're praying to our Father who is in heaven. It's not stated here, but what is obvious, we are on the earth while we're praying to him in heaven. We're here, he's there. Our Father, as we say from the, from the earth speaking to him, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. So what I would recommend that, that when you pray, spend some time acknowledging him as your father. Spend some time acknowledging that he's in heaven and you're on the earth. Spend some time understanding the lay of the land, so to speak. Then spend some time hallowing his name. What does that mean? The revelation of God to man throughout the Bible is progressive. In other words, we know more about him in uh, Isaiah by the time the book of Isaiah is written than we knew about him in Genesis. And one of the ways that, that God reveals himself to us is by identifying himself by using a new name. So when he identifies himself as Jehovah Jireh, he's identifying himself as the God who provides. When he identifies himself as Jehovah Rapha, he's identifying himself as the Lord who heals you. When he identifies himself as Jehovah Sidkenu, he's identifying himself as the Lord our righteousness. And so with each one of these names, Father God is revealing something to him, uh, to us rather, about himself that we didn't previously understand. My mom taught my brother and my sister and myself growing up that Jesus would be everything to us that we needed him to be. That there's nothing I would ever need him to be to me that he is not. Amen. But if we take the time as we begin to pray to recognize that he's in heaven but also recognize who he is. 
recognize his nature, his heart, his characteristics, that he is our provision, he is our shelter, he is our protection, he is our provider, he is our righteousness, he is our healer. Amen. Again, this is what Jesus, I believe, is referring to here. Now we come to verse 10, where Jesus says, pray after this manner, praying to our Father in heaven that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe the battle cry of the church, and I've said this before, I'll say it again this morning, I believe the battle cry of the church should be on earth as it is in heaven. Notice now that prayer is, Jesus has already told us, don't think you'll be heard for your many words, and know that prayer is about more than telling God what you need because he already knows what you need. Prayer is about Father's kingdom coming into the middle of a situation so that his will can be done in that situation as it's already being done in heaven. This is really, really important here that we need to understand prayer from this perspective. Amen. One of our prayer maxims around here, things are better when we pray and they're not when we don't. Amen. Meaning what? Meaning your prayers make a difference. The devil would try to convince you that your prayers don't make any difference, that God's going to do what God's going to do, and things are going to turn out the way they're going to turn out, whether you pray or not. My friend, that's simply not the case. When you pray, it makes a difference. Uh, I don't know who came up with this simple quote, but it's so true. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. In reference to the, uh, the pandemic that it's now become in the world, uh, this coronavirus, I thought one of the more interesting things that, that I heard, um, it was a, a school superintendent who made this simple but I think very profound statement. He said, we will never know if we overreacted. We will never know if we overreacted. But we would all know if we underreacted, right? And as what is he saying here? I mean, I, I'm 53 years old. This is unprecedented for me. Schools to be shut down statewide. I mean, I, I've never, maybe some of you who are older than me have experienced these kinds of things, but it's, it's really an, an unprecedented response. And it's, it's very easy uh, for people to sit back and criticize those who made these choices. I pray that that's not you, amen, even if it is inconveniencing you. I'm thankful that we have leaders who are erring on the side of caution, if they're erring at all. Um, but the point being, they're taking measures, right, that we'll never know if they overreacted, but if they haven't taken those measures and 50,000 kids get sick and 200 of them die, well, then we would have known they didn't do enough. Amen. Sometimes prayer is like that. Matthew says all the time by the word of the Lord when he's up here leading us in worship that you have no idea. Sometimes the Lord shows him in the spirit. You have no idea attacks that you just thwarted, plans from the enemy that he was trying to affect against you and your family that you just canceled out because you showed up at church and you worshiped the Lord and you released your faith. Amen. And so, you know, you don't, you don't know that, um, you know, you didn't get this sickness or you don't realize that 
um, you know, the tree didn't fall on your house or whatever, you know, things that the enemy's trying to affect against you that, that you successfully put an end to because you came and worshiped and sought the Lord. And so um, sometimes we pray and we think, well, I'm not really sure that made a difference or not. But again, if you, if you had have underreacted and not prayed, you would have perhaps experienced that. Do you understand what I'm saying on this? Amen. All right, so I don't, I'm not, I could preach for hours on these things. I'm trying to just stir you up a little bit and then we're fixing to pray. But let me, let me talk for just a moment here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I used this example recently, uh, teaching on these things. I've never quite taught it this way, but, but think for a moment. Let's say you've got a dream in your heart to start a business. Let's say you've got a dream in your heart and you'd like to start a landscaping business. Okay, that's your will, that's your desire, that's something you want to happen, okay? But in order for that to happen, you need some funding. You, you need somebody to back you. Um, you need some weed eaters and some blowers and some zero-turn lawnmowers and some trucks and some trailers and some uniforms and, and right? You, in other words, there's a lot of things that you need, are you ready, so that your will can be done. So when we say your kingdom come, your will be done, he's, his kingdom is, is, the, is the authority and the resources necessary to carry out on earth what he wants to be done. It's the backing, it's the funding, it's the oomph behind it, right? So Jesus said when we pray, we call for the kingdom to come in the midst of that situation so the will of God can be done here as it is in heaven. Okay? Now... How many confirmed cases of coronavirus in heaven this morning? There's none there. There's none there. Amen. The Weiss translation um, takes a verse that's related to this one. Let me give you the verse first, and I'll give you the Weiss translation, and then we'll pray, okay? In, um, it begins in Matthew 16 and 19, but it's repeated again in Matthew 18, 18. It's one of those rare things that, that we see repeated by Jesus recorded in the same gospel. In other words, it'd be one thing for Jesus to say it and Matthew record it and John record it, okay? But the fact that the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to record that Jesus not only said this once, but he reinforced it by repetition and saying it again. And here's what it is. Matthew 16 and 19, Jesus said, I'm giving to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, if you take Matthew 16 and 19 and dovetail it with Matthew 6, again, we, we're seeing a further explanation of what Jesus established in Matthew 6, kingdom come, will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now Matthew 16, 19, he says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Keys represent access, keys represent authority, keys represent responsibility. He's saying, I'm giving you access to the kingdom. I'm giving you the authority of the kingdom. I'm giving you responsibility for the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now if we jump to Matthew 18, 18, he says it again. Whatever you bind on earth uh, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The Weiss translation of that passage reads a little bit differently, and it's because we don't 
have an accurate verb tense in the English to, to translate it effectively. And so it gets kind of wordy, but it goes like this. Whatever you bind on earth, having already been bound in heaven, shall be bound on earth. Whatever you loose on earth, having already been loosed uh, in heaven, shall be loosed on earth. And those words loose and bind mean allow or forbid. So he's saying whatever you forbid on earth, having already been forbidden in heaven, shall be forbidden on earth. Whatever you allow on earth, having already been allowed in heaven, shall be allowed on the earth. Amen. So who has the, the, the access, the authority, and the responsibility to forbid things, to say no to things, and to release things? All right. So is it safe to say, from my understanding of the Scripture, that Father has forbidden coronavirus to cross the threshold of the pearly gate and enter heaven. There's, it's none there. It's already forbidden in heaven. So he's saying for you and me to forbid here what's already forbidden there and to release here what's already released there. And that if we will take the initiative to do this, he will back us. In other words, in my own, on my own, in my, you know, my own self apart from God, I don't... I don't have the authority to stop or the, or the power and ability to stop a virus or, or, or anything of this nature, okay? But Father's kingdom, it does have that authority. It does have those healing resources. Uh, mankind hasn't figured out a, a vaccine or, or a, a cure uh, for this. Uh, but the kingdom already has the vaccine and the cure, right? So we're calling for the kingdom to come because since it's not God's will for people to have coronavirus in heaven, it's not His will for, for you and me to have it here. But there's an active, in other words, we have to take the, the initiative. Now, again, I know it's, um, I want us to spend some time praying, but eventually to, to build this whole thing out, you have to start in Genesis 1. And what we see in Genesis chapter 1, who did Father God give dominion over this domain? He gave it to Adam, intended for you and me to have dominion over this domain. We've been in the first part of Psalm 24 the last couple of weeks here on Sunday mornings. If we go to the, to the final part of Psalm 24, he identifies you and me as an everlasting door, as a, as a gateway that will allow the king to come from heaven into the earth so that the king of glory can come and do what the king of glory desires to do among his people here upon the earth. So when we pray in faith believing, taking authority over demonic spirits, binding works of the enemy, releasing the completed work of Jesus by faith uh, into men's and women's lives, calling for the authority of, of, of the rule of God's kingdom, the resources of God's kingdom to come, to fund and back Amen. Our releasing the will of God to be done in these situations, powerful things happen. Powerful things happen. Do you believe it? Amen. Are you in agreement with it? Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask the singers and musicians to come this morning if they would come first. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Praise God. <clears throat> now, 
I don't know the exact reference, but the Bible speaks, <coughs> excuse me, the Bible speaks of God's people being uh, wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Amen. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. So, the, so what is he saying here? He's saying that, that we need to operate with wisdom, but at the same time, there's no need for us to, to panic or to, or to, or to freak out. Um, or, or to feel like we've got to throw our weight around other people, you know, th things of this nature, okay? So one of the things that I'm going to ask you to pray for here in just a moment when we pray is that the Lord will give us wisdom. Amen. The Lord will give us wisdom, right? One of the uh, reporters on the news the other day was just in this frenzied panic and blaming our, our government for not having enough hand sanitizer and what are we going to do? And, and um, the guy from the Centers of Disease Control came to the microphone and he said, uh, just wash your hands, ma'am. Just, you know, soap, warm water, uh, scrub them good. It's better than hand sanitizer, right? But notice, I'm, you know, this, this person was in such a frenzied panic. You know, it's like, I don't have hand sanitizer. We're all going to die. You know, there are people who are trying to politicize this, if you had not figured that out by now. Um, Contrary to what the Speaker of the House said, this is not the end of life as we know it. This is not the end of civilization as we know it. Contrary to what um, some of those running for, for president on the other side of the aisle, the Democratic side of the aisle, uh, are saying there will not be more deaths than uh, in the United States than World War II. It's, it's, again, it's just a lot of hype and scare. And, and See, that's not wise. That's not, that's not being wise. Amen. What's being wise, things like washing your hands, what's this new term, social distancing, all that. The Bible says it this way, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor to build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord protects the city, those who try to secure it labor in vain. He's not saying fire all the home builders. He's not saying fire all the security guards and police officers and doctors. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that those men and women have a job to do but unless our confidence is in Him, we're, we're, you follow what I'm saying? So while we're thankful for all these folks working so hard to try to find a solution to this, our confidence is not in uh, you know, pharmaceutical companies finding a, a rapid response. Okay, our confidence, We pray for them to find that, but our confidence is in the Lord. He's protecting our house. Amen. He's protecting our families. That's, that's where our faith is. So we're going to be wise. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Amen. Maybe he, maybe being led by the Spirit, he tells you, you know what, you don't, you don't need to go to that meeting. You don't, you don't need to go have lunch with those folks. That's one of the ways he protects us from things, is by steering us away from it altogether. Amen. Okay? So, again, we're not going to panic. That's what you can't do. That's what the enemy's hoping that you'll do, is that you'll panic and everything will be a knee-jerk reaction and it'll just prolong this. One of the reasons they're, they're concerned about releasing the tests is that you're going to have millions of people go get the test that don't even have a symptom because of fear, because of panic. Okay, so that's not us. Amen? That's not us. Right? So we're not going to be a part of the problem. We're going to be a part of the solution. That's who, that's who we are as God's people. Amen? We're leaders and we're problem solvers. Okay? All right, so I'm going to invite you to come. They're going to lead us in some worship this morning. I'm going to invite you to come and find a place to pray. Maybe you like to stand and pray. Maybe you like to kneel and pray. Um, and maybe, again, nobody's going to 
you know, write you a ticket for staying where you are. But I would like, if you don't mind, I'm asking you, uh, as just your servant leader, if you would respond. I'd like for us to respond as a family of faith this morning. But again, if you're not comfortable doing that, nobody's going to put any pressure on you to do it. But if we just come and just gather around the altar, I want us to, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in prayer for a, a little while after we sing for a minute or two. Um, and then they're just going to keep playing and singing while, while you pray. I want you to pray for protection. I want you to pray for wisdom for you, wisdom for our leaders. Amen. Amen. Your prayers make a difference. Your prayers make a difference. Amen. 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 Fathers, we come to you this morning. We recognize that you have not given us...